Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. So, how will we celebrate Thanksgiving well? How will we do that well? Well, yesterday my wife and I, because my wife loves to, to go out and meet the neighbors and connect with them and just be a blessing to them, and so she had done a lot of baking, and so we had all this bread. We had uh, Amish friendship bread. We had pumpkin bread with what? Cranberries. We also had um, zucchini bread with chocolate chips. If you'd like to place an order, just see Pat after service. She'll be glad to bake. Okay. So she made a bunch of those things, and we were walking around the neighborhood, giving those out, and we got to a, a neighbor that I just met not too long ago, and, and uh, she just got home, and we were seeing another neighbor. And so when she pulled into the driveway, I, uh, we came over there, we, we met her again, and, and we handed her some things, and she had a little six-year-old daughter, Gabby by name, and, and she uh, said, what do you say? And she said, thank you. We're like, of course. And she was all excited, like a six-year-old would be, all excited to get the gift. And, and she ran and put them in the house. Now, have you ever had to say to somebody else, what do you say? Has anyone ever told that to you? What do you say? <laughs> and have you ever had that where they said, what do you say? And you say, thanks. I guess. It kind of reminds us sometimes of how we go through life, Right? We go through life, and God abundantly blesses us again and again and again in overwhelming ways, in ways that we can't even grasp how much God has done for us. All those things that could have happened to us that didn't, the protection he offered, all the kindness he's given us over and over and over again. And when we get to the end of the day, we say, thanks. We, it kind of reminds me sometimes in our culture where we live in an attitude with an attitude of entitlement. I'm an American. Everything should go my way. We have one person that works and has, is studying a thing to be a nurse. Okay? What's the expectation? If somebody goes into the hospital, what do we expect? Give me something. I shouldn't have to be in any kind of pain ever. Now, we know better, Right? number of people who are in here are chronically ill. Okay? We understand that's not how it works. We also have a little bit of age under most all of us. So we kind of grasp that that's really not how things work. But are we ever like those people in Scripture where Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we might say, you know, if we had a normal Thanksgiving where COVID wasn't raging and all these other things weren't happening, you get your family together and you go around the table, right, and you say one thing you're thankful for, okay? And how many times do people like, well, I don't know, because I'm not used to giving thanks, so I don't know what to say. I'll just say family. This probably doesn't make any sense to us, does it? Because you are people that are thankful all the time, right? You take time out of your day to give thanks to God. What I'd like us to do is just think, I don't want us to be people who just say, I honor God with my lips, but my heart is far from. And so there's a little song. Do you know this song? Okay, now, uh, Pat, can you, I could sing it, but I'd rather have Pat sing it. Do you mind doing it? 
Just the chorus. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Do you know the song? Let's sing it with Pat. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Okay, so in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8, the people are ready to go into the promised land. Remember in Exodus, they came out, they've been delivered from Egypt, they've gone out, they've been given the law, Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Now they're ready, and they're Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea, they're supposed to go on into the promised land. And what do they do? They don't trust and obey. Instead, they say, oh no, the people are too great, the city's walls are too high, they're giants in the land, there's no way we can go in and conquer this place because we don't trust the God who just brought us out through the Red Sea. <laughs> we don't trust that God who just performed these ten plagues to defeat the Egyptians. We don't trust that God who's just provided for us in immeasurable, innumerable ways. We don't trust. And so we're not going to obey and go into the land there at Kadesh Barnea. Wow. So they don't, and they wander for 40 years. And it says their clothes did not wear out, their feet did not swell. They lived those 40 years, and all those who were old enough, who were responsible, who did not go into the land as they were called to do, they all died. And after the last one died, then God says, okay, now let's get ready and let's go. And so the way that they would show not just honoring God with their lips, but as they would honor God but with their trusting and obedience is that they went in and they went through another body of water. Do you remember how this goes? They left Egypt by going through the Red Sea. They entered the Promised Land by going through the Jordan. And just like with the Red Sea, it was split apart for them. So this Jordan is split apart for them and they trust and obey as a way of showing thanksgiving to the God who made a promise to them and who delivered on that promise, bringing them into the promised land and who would be like a hornet that goes before them, driving out the enemies so that they might have that land to have as their own. For us, are we thankful for all that God has provided? Oh, yes. Are we looking forward to that promised land for us? Yes. Is there a next step in our life that we're looking at going to? Maybe some new thing? Maybe a new year as we start this coming Sunday for Advent? Maybe a, a new time of life? Maybe a new place to live? A new health concern to deal with? A new relationship? Something new. Is God calling you to step forward as you are thankful to show that thankfulness not just with your words, but with your trusting him and following through. Maybe it's a new way to live. Maybe it's a new way to engage in relationships. Maybe for me it's to learn to turn away from my sarcasm to use my words to build up better than to use them to tear down. Is there something new God's calling you to? And again, as I asked that question, I used to be able to kind of see your faces and know. Now I just need big head nods or big like this. Can you move your head one way or another so I can see where you, if you're with me? 
Okay, so some people are, others are sleeping. Have a good rest. Now, trust and obey. It should make a difference. Now, how about in Philippians 6? Don't be anxious about anything. There's conflict. How many of us get anxious when there's conflict? Oh, a couple of us do. Okay, so in the middle of that conflict, how can we trust God and obey? Because didn't God do something for us to help us deal with conflict? We had a conflict with God Almighty, right? It's called sin. And what did God do to take care of that? Sent his son so that therefore we have been justified by faith. Therefore we have peace with God because of what God has done for us through his son on the cross. Isn't that awesome? And that kind of sets up a way of thinking now. I'm going to draw on the one who gave his son to give me the strength I need to deal with my conflicts. And the best way of dealing with the conflicts that I can think of are those four G's. Seek first to glorify God, which might ruffle some of our feathers because first we want to show the other person how lousy they are. Glorify God, get the log out of my own eye, so start with me first. Gently restore, so after I've done mine, kind of help them see what they've done, and go and be reconciled. We've shared this numerous times, haven't we? Do we live it? It's one thing for me to say it. Remember, I honor God with my mouth, but my heart is far from me. God says, this is how you handle it. Do I do it that way? Do I say, dear God, it's not about all these other things. It's about how will I glorify you as I first look at me, then I help them see in a gentle way, and then I seek to reconcile and go together with them. Will I trust that God's given me a workable plan so that I might obey him? Remember big head movements? (laughs) Yeah, isn't it awesome? God gives us a way. Now, we just get to show how thankful we are for what he's done for us in his son so that we might live that out in our relationships so we not only have peace with God, but we can have peace with one another. You see, in our anxiety, oftentimes we, we get caught up with what's really wrong. And what's really wrong is I oftentimes don't think I'm forgiven by God. And so therefore, I don't have any forgiveness to offer other people. Because if we really grasp what forgiveness is, forgiveness is, we we confessed sins earlier. Do we have a firm grasp on what sin is? Again, big head motions are great. Sin is missing the mark. Well, when you think archery, the mark isn't just the target, like Have you ever gone and shot arrows? Sometimes I have a dickens of a time just to hit the target. Okay? That's not the mark. The mark is the bullseye. Okay? Anytime you miss the bullseye, that's sin. Anytime you miss exactly where God wants you to be, that's sin. We sin with our our words, don't we? How we talk about other people. We sin with our actions, how we treat other people. And when you look at Luther's catechism on those Ten Commandments, and you look and see both the positive and the negative, these are things you should do, these are things you shouldn't do anymore. 
If you read through those whole Ten Commandments all that way through thoughtfully and you have nothing to confess, you're not a human. There's so much sin. The gravity of our sin is great. And so if we recognize our sin and that Jesus has removed that sin from us, do you know what that's like? It's like if I had every man in here laying on me, pushing me down. Okay? That'd be a lot of weight on me. I would feel suffocated. And if all of that was taken off of my shoulders, it would be like life again. That's what God's done for you and for me through the work of Jesus on the cross. He's removed all the weight of our sin, all those things we've done wrong, so that we might now be made new again. We're reconciled to him so we can be reconciled to each other. No longer do we have to deal with anxiety our way. Maybe lastly this. Remember, we're anxious oftentimes because we're not in control. And we're anxious because we don't know how to deal with our sins. So if I recognize the greatness, the gravity of my sins, and they're all taken by Jesus to the cross and paid for there, and you and I are free. Free to trust the one who is in control when we're out of control. So we might follow him in how to treat one another in our struggles. Does that make sense? So with big, with big head movements... Are you living free in Jesus today? Some of you don't like to play the game. (laughs) If you're living free in Jesus today, can you trust? Because the only way you live free is knowing that he's taken all those sins away. And can you let that impact in those other relationships you're in? Isn't that a great way of living Thanksgiving? Now, we can do that through forgiveness, but when we think of Thanksgiving Day, oftentimes, now again, I'm going to use some Lutheran language here. We think of the, the creed. First article, what the Father has given us. All these things, and we'll quote that here in just a little bit. Second article, what God has done for us in His Son, Jesus. Third article, what God's done for us by the Holy Spirit. So if you think through the creed with me, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. How about today, if you spent time with me, and we just gave thanks to God for third article gifts. The Holy Spirit, who calls us together, who gathers us together, who enlightens us by time in his word, and sanctifies us, sets us apart for him and his purposes. What if we thank God for those things today? You see, what God has done, if you look around this room, God has called us together and he's given us a communion of saints. Now, don't reach out and hug each other, but could you just like turn around and look at each other? This right here is a wonderful group of saints. Right? Now, what's a saint? A holy one, right? One who's been set apart. One who's been saved by God's grace. Okay? That would be all of us trusting in Jesus. He's put us together and he's actually given us the gift of unity. 
We don't all have the same socioeconomic level, do we? Some people here have lots of resources. Some people here have enough to get them through the month. Right? Okay? We're not, we don't all have the same economic level. We don't have this, all have the same education level. We don't all have the same desires for what football team is supposed to win later this week. Okay? We don't all have the same desires in lots of different areas. So what's the thing that gathers us all and brings us all together as these disparate people? The Spirit who unites us to love and care for each other. I grew up in a family where I didn't hear from another male, okay, these words. I love you. Just this morning, from young people in my life, okay, I've heard from more than one young man say, I love you. That's that unity the Spirit gives. That's that desire to live together and love each other. Well, I am so thankful for those young men. I'm so thankful for you as a congregation where we can live in the love that God has given us and be thankful for those third article gifts. The Spirit is the one who brings us together so that we might be united people in Christ. And what does it mean to be those united people? It means that we trust God, that he knows what he's doing when he brings us together, and we might obey him as we keep the relationships Strong. Does that mean I actually have to talk to that person I don't like very much? I mean, I can't just ignore them all the time like I want to? That means I have to actually listen and relate to that person because they're more valuable than I can ever give them credit for? including every single person sitting in this church? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. What if we did that as a way of saying thanks to God today? There's a little, I was going to read something to you, but I'm going to give you a break today. There's a little something that, I think it's Spurgeon who wrote Morning and Evening. Okay? And Spurgeon writes in the one for this morning, November 26th. He says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And what he says is, how many of us tend to live in the future or live in the past? If we live in the future, it's like, I'm going to do all these things. And how many of us have all these thoughts of, I'm going to do all these things, but we never get there to do them? Or how many of us live in the past? We're like, continue moaning and groaning or delighting in things that have gone in the past And it keeps us from living in the present where we're called to trust and obey. Finally, if I left that alone right there, I think you might be a little overwhelmed. Because if you sat with me and looked at your life, trusting and obeying isn't always something that happens, is it? Again, big head gestures. Do you always do what you're supposed to do? <laughs> you always trust and obey? I see more shaking, okay? Would you please just hear what it says 
in 1 Peter chapter 2. It's talking about Jesus, and it says this, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted, he trusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to the Father. He, bore, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. Jesus says, before being betrayed, Jesus says, Father, take this cup from me, yet not, not my will, but thine be done. Did Jesus perfectly do these two words? Who did Jesus perfectly do those two words for? Would you make it singular? Me. Would you all say that as loud as you can? Me. Jesus did that in my place for me, that I might now be free, so I might deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. So I might... In view of God's awesome mercy that I just described to you, in view of that mercy, I might offer my body as a living sacrifice. And then I might do as 1 Peter 2 says, that I might proclaim the praises and the excellencies of him who brought me out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. Those are things to be thankful for, aren't they? And that's a great way to live our lives of thanksgiving. Amen.